what we've got here is failure to communicate. From sunny Southern California, we bring you Meet Bridget, a podcast for building confident communication and female badassery. We spotlight women who have bridged the gaps in their lives by building strong relationships and speaking their teenage dreams into reality. And the crazy thing is that these medications do work for weight loss, but they don't just work for weight loss scot free, right? It's not without the risks. Welcome back to season three of Meet Bridget. Kashia and I partnered on a conversational episode last week. You guys heard part one of our combo on body image. And our conversation was long, windy, and fun. We just didn't want to cut it off for you guys. So we split this episode into two parts. And please enjoy part two of Body Image. If you haven't heard uh, the first part and you're looking for it, go on back to our feed and check it out. Like, comment, let us know what you're into, what you want to hear us talk about next. But yes, I enjoy part two. Well, I mean, I think we've gone so many different directions, but you and I wanted to talk a little bit about like pop culture and, you know, all of the different like portrayals of body image and the topics relevant to this subject. And one was, I know that like it came out recently, some research that, that Instagram had been hiding that they'd done these studies to see like the effects of Instagram and other social media outlets on young women and how so many different data points about like, yes, super harmful, definitely harmful, no doubt about it. Some of the things, you know, that were in these studies were like outright eating disorder risks increased with social media use, depression, low self-esteem, appearance, anxiety, and body dissatisfaction, all associated with Instagram use. Posting selfies, even if you can edit and change them, impacts mood. Social media use uh, increased desire for cosmetic surgery. That literal brain activity changes when you get a like. Like they, they used imaging to show like what happens in the brain when you get likes. I mean, there's just so many data points in this study about just like how social media really does not do good things for our, you know, self-esteem and body image. Well, it's tied to that. It's so wild too, because it's so fast, right? It's like information is immediate. We don't even have dial up anymore where you'd have to wait like the 30 extra seconds for the information to come through. There's no pixelation. Like if Instagram's down for like 30 minutes, the world freaks out. And I think that's part of this is like that dopamine surge, you know, that you get with a like that's immediate. It's so much faster than it used to be when we were in like junior high and high school and you're comparing yourself to somebody in real life in the flesh, like every 30 minutes, you know, or passing them in the hallway. Now it's like you literally at your fingertips can compare yourself to hundreds of people in 60 seconds. You can post a picture and get hundreds of thousands of likes in one go or conversely be the person that gets like no likes and then you're associating that negatively you know with emotions it's just such a different world but it's the real world and like this is how people are absorbing information and like this is the new comparison and so it's like so much more intense yeah and it's like this it is a tool and I think that as we've all increased use over the years that it's been a thing and that it's grown and been like a very real part of how we get information um, and how we connect to other people. It's like we've trained ourselves to just that, to basically 
compare ourselves in the lightning quick seconds, you know, without even realizing or digesting that it's like, oh, I, I, you know, I saw this image and like, you know, I might not even be realizing that I'm comparing myself to that person. That's what I'm doing. You know, on the, on the flip side of those studies, it's also that like reducing use of social media or controlling it or kind of using your own internal like disclaimers of like, oh, I'm not comparing myself or I'm going to unfollow people who that trigger those reactions in myself, like mindful social media use can actually reduce feelings of loneliness and depression. So I just think it's like, you know, especially with the girls that we work with, it is harder than ever to be a, a young person or specifically young women for our audience in the face of social media, because it's just this whole different landscape. So it's wild. I mean, I work in the healthcare space when we're not working on Bridget and I work in the concierge healthcare space specifically. And one of the things I'm seeing with my clients, so I saw it with my clients first actually, and now we're seeing it all over the place. But like a year ago, some of my clients were starting to ask about the skinny jabs, which we'd like never really heard of referred to that. And that's because like in the UK, they were starting to market things like Ozempic and Trulicity, which are traditionally diabetes medications to the regular population as like a weight loss drug. And they were calling it the skinny jab. And so very soon after it made its way over to the United States. And now like I guarantee you, if you watch any type of TV with ads or anything like Every other ad is going to be like an ad for Ozempic or Chulicity or Sexenda. And it's all of these GLP inhibitors, which are basically they alter your body's insulin resistance and bring down your blood sugar. And they're, you know, which is supposed to be a driver for weight loss. And the crazy thing is that these medications do work for weight loss, but they don't just work for weight loss scot-free, right? It's not without its risks. And yet right now, there are people that don't technically need it from like a BMI standpoint that are using this medication as weight loss. And it's starting to come out like and then it's like making its way through like the media circuit. Like I think CNN published something and like Forbes published something and like it's all over social media. Like now if you're on Instagram, like I'm sure once I open my Instagram again because my phone's sitting next to me. I'll get like a targeted ad for like WeGoV or like one of those like things. It's like, okay, if you want to lose weight, like sign up here and like our doctor will evaluate you, whatever. That's a, a huge thing because like ads are meant for people to like absorb the information and like hear it over and over again. And right now, all I'm hearing over and over again is like this narrative that anyone that feels like they're a little bit overweight and wants to lose weight can do it just by taking this miracle drug. Which is pretty scary. I mean, I think that there's definitely a use for it for people who like truly qualify, like with, you know, a lot of handholding from their doctor and like people who have a very high BMI and have diabetes that need to like bring that number down temporarily. But like just as like a Band-Aid for weight loss, terrible. <laughs> it's a yeah. terrible tactic, like not to address it with like food and prophylaxis and diet and exercise. I mean it's also even on that point, like in most areas of Europe, like it's actually illegal to advertise pharmaceutical drugs. And I'm like, America, <laughs> like we talk about, my husband and I have talked about this. I'm like, you know, you see the ads and then there's like, they just super quickly go through all these side effects. And it's like, what? Like, this doesn't feel like it should be an ad. Like this is 
like, how do I even interpret this ad while there's like a, a girl like jumping through the daisies and like, you know, having a picnic while they're talking about these like crazy risks and stuff. I'm like, this doesn't feel like something that this doesn't feel right. Oh my God. It's it's like the SNL skit where it's like this struggle make you yeah. like murderous and like want to yeah. kill your husband. <laughs> it's like Kristen yeah. Wiig, like with a knife. It's classic. But, you know, I've, I've heard people like talking about this. They're like, yeah, yeah, you just basically just go and they'll just give you however many shots that you want. And it just can be a quick fix. And I think, I mean, history has shown us time and time again that like there's no such thing as a free lunch and especially something like your body. And I mean, I think both of us have experienced this through pregnancy recently is that like your body has an incredible feedback system and like will gain and lose weight depending on your needs and all sorts of different things. And, you know, the, the whole system is very complex and it's like, I'm not saying there isn't room for, there isn't a time and place for intervention when it's needed to prevent other health issues from happening, mm-hmm. but just to be like flippant about it and just be like, I can't control you know, these things, or I want to ha- lose five pounds. So like, I'm just going to go have this external thing, change my whole system. So I lose it. I mean, I, I work with an endocrinologist who is a doctor of, to be brought about it, like the doctors that work with your, your hormone systems. Um, and my endocrinologist, you know, I work with him because I had thyroid issues, but he also has a lot of like diabetic patients and stuff. I asked him, I was like, what do you think about this? Like trend of this stuff being like everywhere. And he was like, you know, anything that accelerates, you know, a certain system, which in this, this case is like the system controlling, you know, the weight loss there, there's always something else that's kind of, it's taking from, or isn't being seen or is being masked. And he's like, I think long-term there's going to be some like pretty aggressive, you know, immune system issues or other systemic issues that can come from just like casually taking a medication like this. So, but I mean, the pressure is there. It's crazy. And especially when it's like, I hate this narrative. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, the Hollywood shot. And, you know, that, then everyone's like, oh, it's the secret <laughs> of Hollywood. And I'm missing out on that. Like, that's why they're all so skinny and they all look so good. They all have this secret. And now I know the secret. I'm like, that even itself is this like kind of sick, you know, marketing. Just like you said, there is yeah. no free lunch. Like, I know firsthand, like this medication, not firsthand, I guess secondhand, but like as a, as yeah. a prescriber and clinician, like, this medication does not come without risks and benefits. And you have to seriously weigh these things and figure out if it is right for you. At baseline, it commonly causes symptoms of hypoglycemia, which is very low blood sugar. So you have to like wean on to this medication. And most patients like have a very like it's not yeah. an easy ride. Like it's nausea inducing, like dizziness, all, all this stuff. And so really like unless you're the appropriate patient that it's for, like, you know, you have diabetes, you have a really high hemoglobin A1C, which is a marker for long-term diabetes and blood sugar. Like, unless you're one of those candidates, like, really, like, you know, there are other ways to augment um, metabolism. And, you know, there's a couple, there are a lot of resources out there. I think one great thing with, like, social media is that information, you know, I guess it's a neutral thing. It's a good thing and it's a bad thing. But the good part of it is that information is disseminated so quickly. So like there are some messages that you can pick up off of social media, which are good. Like the people that share recipes, which are healthy and easy to put together at home. Like, you know, you have to take everything with a grain of salt. But there is something to, one, there's no such thing as a free lunch. 
to everyone has, you know, their own body makeup and needs and needs to be tuned into that. Not saying that there's not a time and place for Western conventional medicine. I clearly practice it, but true proactive health is about starting with, you know, the natural fixes and then utilizing medications and secondary interventions if you need to. But in a lot of cases, we can really do a lot with, you know, dietary changes, cutting out processed foods, cutting out wheat, dairy, gluten, which, you know, in the United States, unfortunately, our wheat is genetically modified. Like that's what we grow here. So, you know, that causes a lot of irritation and, and inflammation for a lot of people. But, you know, learning more about those things and, and, you know, trying to eat like clean organic foods where you can, if that's possible, or, or just, you know, stay away from processed stuff. I mean, there's so many, so many different things out there that come before going for a weekly shot. to disrupt your body's own metabolism on a more macro level i feel like it's like a a symbol of the effect that like social media has had on us as Mm -hmm. like a as a people where it's like i think i think that it has taken any feelings that you know we naturally have of like dissociation from our own bodies and how we look and how we feel and how we think other people see us like that disconnect that I think social media through data has made worse you know our perceptions of like being able to really understand Mm -hmm. like you know it's that that black mirror thing I think that it's like it's a symbol of that it's like people are like okay like there's there is a magic pill magic shot that I, I, I can take and it will fix me because I can't fix me you know, like yeah. I, I can't do this by myself. And some people, you know, for medical reasons cannot, I'm not discounting that, but like it hugely amplifies like, well, and then yeah. it's also like, okay, well then once you get off this, are, are you maintaining that weight loss that it helped you with the same thing with like the keto yeah. diet was like a whole thing, you know? And it's like, okay, well, yeah. like, what happens when you're out of ketosis? Like what, what are you doing then? And like, at, at what point is this like sustainable for you? You know, I think there's been all these like trends that are like quick fix, quick fix. And it's like, because we're being trained to like look for quick fixes and quick comparisons and quick, quick, quick everything from these like devices in our hands. So I don't know. I think we're, we keep returning to some things that we can do to like combat some of the, the negatives that we're faced with just by living in the world we live in right now. But it's like, I mean, in my experience, and I feel like you and I have connected about this, it's like things that can help us like slow down, you know, combat that like sense of instant gratification we need with things. But it's like, okay. Like if I'm really feeling wound up, like going for a walk always helps like breathing and looking at the sun and like, you know, not directly, but like, you know, getting fresh air and sunshine and talking with a friend or like when I'm sitting down to eat a meal, like put away devices and sit down and chew my food and like think about it and look at it and connect to it. You know, just all these different things that we can do just like literally it almost feels silly. It's like chew your food. Like who doesn't do that? But tell you as a mom of yeah. two there are plenty of times where i've like sat down with a meal in front of me and I'm like, oh you just it's inhale. gone it's gone <laughs> yeah. you know and it's like really shocking that like how how unconsciously we can do so much with all the demands that are on us as you know i completely agree i think there's really something to slowing down and having a discerning eye and i think it kind of goes back to what we were saying about like the toxic positivity and body neutrality it's like 
there is no one size fits all. There is no one proper answer or immediate quick fix. It's kind of like to do this right, to like do the therapy right, to like sit in your body, you have to actually sit. And that's the problem with social media is it's so instantaneous that it eliminates the waiting, you know? And I think that like as a culture, we've gotten really used to no longer waiting and no longer sitting, no longer being patient because we don't have to be. But there's something really, really necessary and healthy about, you know, meditating through these actions, like sitting and, you know, like you said, chewing your food and like taking the time to, you know, do an action, like any action um, and be uncomfortable and think about the thing and um, that like drawing out the action. There's actually a Japanese thing and I can't remember the name, but it's like they have this art of eating your food really, really mindfully and slowly. And like it's an actual like practice in Japan that some of like the older Japanese people do where they'll sit and they'll like literally chew their food for like a full minute before swallowing. But it takes them back to being very, very present in their body and enjoying the food and absorb like, you know, absorbing the flavor and appreciating the nourishment. And like it seems very, very silly, but think about the last time you actually took a second to like sit down and have a meal and like appreciate each bite of food that you were having. I mean, not everybody has that luxury. Like not everybody is able to eat food physically. Like, and so there's a lot to retying our actions and retying our body back to like the present moment by like taking that pause and, um, you know, just being more deliberate. On the topic of social media, like, what do you think about, I feel like there's also two sides to the coin about, you know, we're talking about like this fixation on like celebrities and like, we have like, oh, one image of like how this person looks and like, okay, like how did they do it? You know, and some people are like, oh, if a, a celebrity has had plastic surgery, they should tell everything that they did. We should all be able to know. And other people are like, oh no, like it's your right to be like totally private. They don't have to share anything that they did. And I feel like you see both of this and there's like people are very adamant on both sides. And it's also like, okay, but like the deeper like fixation on that celebrity or what they are, we're not, are not sharing is like, why are we fixating on one, on them, you know, in the first place? I don't yeah. know. I, yeah. I can relate to both no, sides I, of that. Like part of me is like, I have an insatiable curiosity. I'm like, but, but you know, like the whole Kim Kardashian thing. I'm like, well, like literally like one week she had these like crazy hips and stuff. And then like the next week, like her face and her whole body looks totally different. I'm like, I'm just curious. Like what, what happened there? Like just share it. Like, I'm just curious, you know, but I'm like, I don't have the desire or means to like recreate what you're doing. But like, this is like scientifically really interesting. I know it's like our morbid. Totally. I'm like, I'm a sicko. So like, I kind of want to know, but at the same time, I'm also like, Oh no, like every person has a right to like, their own body and doing what they do or do not want to do and be private about it if you want to. You know, I I think it's interesting with the idea of like celebrity because it's like, okay, if you have agreed to being a celebrity, then are you opting in to like, you know, sharing? Sharing. Yeah. Because then it's like almost your job to be out there and to, you know, quote unquote, like not informing people. Are you, are you misinforming them by leaving information out, but still having your image out there, you know? Oh, yeah, I completely agree with you. And there's a big conundrum there. And I don't know that we have, I mean, we don't have the right answer. Yeah. I don't think there is an answer. But, you know, I think that 
it goes back to like having to take it with a grain of salt and revisiting the fact that comparison can be a, a real killer, especially in cases like this. I mean, money and access can do a lot for you. And a lot of celebrities, and I'm not just pinpointing Kim Kardashian. I mean, I think it's a really amplified example because they are very open about their bodies and utilizing their bodies as like a form of marketing. And I think in a lot of ways, they've been really smart about those things. But there is that aspect where like, if you don't share everything, are you influencing people to think that this is attainable in real life without the resources that they might have? And I think that's sort of like a philosophical question, you know? It's like one of the philosophical questions of our day and age is like, how much responsibility does a celebrity have to the people who are looking up to them? Because there's also the human aspect where humans really have a right to their own privacy. And like, you know, just because they're famous, does that mean that they have to put everything out there? I mean, I think that like the only conclusion I can reach that feels like somewhat healthy on that topic is like, you know, when you're noticing those things, like, oh, I am curious, like, well, I, I noticed that change, or I noticed this, mm-hmm. and you're formulating, like, you know, you see on the internet, everyone's like, has their thesis of like, oh, no, she's doing Ozempic, or this person's doing this, and they had plastic surgery on their whatever, that it's like, okay, I can have those theories and be curious, whatever, but I'm like, at the end of the day, like, mm-hmm. I I will never know all the details of this person's life and how they do what they do. And- yeah. What nor, nor they have be. or whatever like there is no way for me to have the full picture even if I were their doctor you know I would never have the full and complete picture of their life so like why am I wasting energy on it you know that it's like the closest thing to a full picture of my own life you know and that's what I can focus on you know rather than someone else's so and even even my own I'm still a mystery to me so it's like let's not waste time on on you know trying to figure out what someone else did you know, when I can just at least focus on what feels good to me and what works for me in the health. Yeah, agreed. And I think it's also important to like sit back in your own body for a second and just remember that like Kim Kardashian doesn't look like me and <laughs> I do not look like Kim Kardashian. So I mean, and that's just the truth. And it's never, that's never going to change. That's a neutral statement. And so, I mean, start there. <laughs> And then focus on what you can control, which is probably not how Kim Kardashian looks. It's probably, you know, how I look, how I feel, what I'm putting in my body, how different foods make me feel like physically. Like, does dairy, you know, not always make my stomach feel great? Yeah. Okay. So, like, let's maybe not do so much dairy and cheese today. Like, which, by the way, like Jude has a pretty intense dairy aversion. And so, I mean, it's kind of wild, like breastfeeding and like passing that along makes you so much more conscious of what you put in your own body. Breastfeeding is gnarly because it's like there's it's pregnancy is its own thing. But I also feel like breastfeeding, there's such this like fixation on it. Like, you know, people are like, oh, breastfed is best, which like, you know, there are the studies that it's like, okay, yes, like your breast milk is the perfect food for your baby if you can produce it, you know, but then like the moms that are unable to produce, they're like, well, then like, are you telling me I'm not taking care of my baby the best way I can? You know, it's like, that's also not true. Like your baby is like fed is best too, that it's like, there's so many different pressures I feel like we can feel. And I've had friends that like dealt with a lot of that where it's like, okay, my, my baby has a milk protein allergy. So like I have to change all these different things in my diet and like my both my daughters have had eczema and I'm like trying to figure out like okay what is causing the eczema and like Mm -hmm. is it a good thing because she's exposed to the allergens early 
or is it a bad thing because she is allergic to stuff? You know, like you can hyperanalyze like so, so much. So I feel like just as like oh, yeah. petri dish of like seeing your body like this judgment control, you know, that you need to yeah. like pull all the lever and like fill it, figure it out. There's a lot of pressure. Yeah, no, completely. And I feel like to be fair, whatever you decide is your choice, just like everything in life. And like I decided that I wanted to try to breastfeed my son as long as possible. Not until he's 18, maybe one. But we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I've like tried to give myself the grace of like just going for the ride, you know? And I think part of that comes from having the pregnancy loss. It's like, okay, there's so much that's so unpredictable that like with Jude, it's been much easier for me to just sit in the gratitude of being like, okay, I get to come home to you today. And like, that's a great day. But like with breastfeeding, I mean, it's been challenging like in its own right by itself. So just to like have the external pressure of like what somebody else thinks like is wild. And to be fair, like I am a nerd for that type of knowledge where it's like breast milk is incredible. It's very adaptive. It is like the perfect food in the same way that our bodies are incredible and adapt to so many different things. Like I think that is the human edge is like we are adaptable animals and that's what sets us apart. Like you know, it started out with making tools and then fire. And, you know, now we're making breast milk that augments itself or whatever babies need. That's not the truth for everybody. There's also like socioeconomic factors that come into play. There are, you know, moms that have to work for eight to 10 hours. Like when I go into work, like I have to pump and then sometimes I forget to pump or I can't pump. And then like, you know, I had to go back and forth with that, like worry early on of like, how is my baby going to be fed? Am I being detrimental by like forcing the breastfeeding issue or do I need to just make sure that he has food and that it's like food that's as healthy as possible? And like if I'm not producing enough because my body's like going through changes or I'm under stress, like am I going to like force myself to like insanity by like having a pump on me 24 hours a day? Like, no, that's impossible. So at like a certain point, I had to just be like, okay, well, now I'm going to have to switch to formula for some of this and supplement him like where I need to because that's what my son needs. I'm sure there are plenty of people that would judge me for that. There's probably plenty of people that would say like, why are you even bothering to breastfeed if you're working eight to 10 hours like in an office? Like that seems insane too. It's like there's no one size fits all, but I think the one absolute wrong here is just trying to prescribe what you think is best on somebody else it's the same it's the comparison thing where it's like you know I've had moments in both my breastfeeding journeys where it's like okay you know like I am fixated on like the feedings and keeping my supply up and this and that I'm like but I need to if I'm going to continue doing this it needs to be not at the expense of my general mental health or if I start to feel like it is Mm -hmm. and I still don't want to stop breastfeeding How will I address my mental health so that I can, like, I'm like, because me not being mentally strong, healthy, you know, and there for my child is detrimental to them too, you know? So it's just like, I need to take care of myself, my body and soul so that I can be, you know, the best mom to my kids as possible too. In addition to, you know, all these like physical pressures of, are you breastfeeding? Are you this? Are you that? You know, I I think that returning to that sense of self and and rather than being like, oh, but my friend down the street is doing this and this person on the internet is saying to do this 
and my, you know, like there's so many external opinions that you can compare it to, and it just takes you further away from what you ultimately have to decide is, is for you. Yeah, I completely agree. I also really like that you just tied in mind, body, and soul. And I want to make a quick point, another nerdy thing, which actually is making its rounds on social media, but it's that whole mind, mind gut connection, which is like, that is a real thing. Like 70% of your serotonin is developed in your gut. And, you know, previously, like we in medicine did not see mental health as being tied to physical health as much as we're seeing it now. And I think this is where what you feed your body with really, you know, affects like how your mind is and how you you're feeling mentally affects how your body is doing. There's a real thing called psychosomatic um, presentation where, you know, if you're super, super stressed out and you start thinking that you're going to have a symptom, your body will start to respond to that mental trigger because your brain is what drives every single process in your body. So naturally, like if you just keep telling yourself you're itchy, you're going to start itching and having hives and your body will actually release histamine. And then like you'll go into that like, you know, histamine response inflamed, like itchy state. So I think um, bringing up mind, body and soul, you know, a lot of body image is driven by how we see ourselves, which is driven by how we're feeling mentally and emotionally. You know, there are three different things, right? Like mind, body, soul, but they're also one thing, which is you and me and like how we exist. And so I think that that's another thing we we need to be really mindful about. Again, neutral characteristic, neutral statement, but like it all, all our inner workings come together. I know. And it's funny because like you and I have talked a lot about, you know, our recovery postpartum and stuff and like that journey. And I think we try to address it healthily where it's like, we're always like reminding, oh, you know, take time. Like people say like, oh, a few months or whatever to just you bounce back and feel like this. We're like trying to remind each other to be like, do it healthily, but consistency is key. You have to nourish your body enough, especially if you're breastfeeding. Like, you know, this is like a, a, there's a lot of things to balance here in a healthy way. So we would talk about this all the time, but I think that in this process, we're still, it's still like, it's okay to still have like goals, you know, like I have fitness mm-hmm. goals where I'm like, oh, like, yeah, aesthetically, I would like to work on this thing. And I think I can do that in a healthy way. And these are the steps I'm going to take to kind of like, work on that. And like when, when I see progress, I'm going to appreciate it and stuff like that's okay to still like have physical goals and want your body to like do certain things, you know, within the scope of reality. So we're talking about this and I have definitely noticed and like, you know, work with a trainer. I'm a person that really enjoys like working towards physical goals and using nutrition and wellness and fitness and sleep and all these things and seeing how they can Mm -hmm. come together. And I've definitely found that I'm like, wow, stress, you know, even just like daily day in day out stress like makes me hold on to a little extra puff, a little extra like whatever it is, fluid, fat, stuff like my body, I notice like every time I go on like a vacation or I have just like a really wonderful emotional week, I'm like I just okay. feel like I can see the results in the mirror regardless of like if the rest of my routine has stayed exactly the same. You know, I'm like the amount of stress and mindlessness, like how that can have an effect on, you know, your body or or stopping your goals is amazing. 
Yeah, it's that cortisol release because yeah. it's, you know, fight or flight is a very real thing. I mean, our our bodies are designed to retain nutrition and water for stressful situations because pre-civilization, when we were still animals roaming the earth with other animals, it's like if you were under attack and you had to run, you needed to hold on to your nutrients. Like you didn't have time to like have your metabolism going. Similarly, like if you are at rest, like you need to hold on to water. Like if, especially like if it's a stressful situation, like our bodies are meant to adapt and respond in that way. And as evolved as we are, we are still very much animals in the way that our bodies work, in the way that we understand each other, in the way that we're social. Humans are animals. That's my spiel. Like, there are so many different like mechanisms too of our bodies that I think that like, it's just a never ending like discovery process. Like I was mm-hmm. working with a trainer prior to my wedding and I remember like in one day, like, I mean, I'm six feet tall, so take that. But like yeah. one day I weighed myself and this was like right prior to my wedding. So I'm like, oh, I need to fit in the dress and everything. And like, I want to have everything fitting good. And uh, my, my weight went up by like nine pounds in one day. And I went to my trainer and I was like, what are you doing? This is this is bad. I was like, this is like an emergency. And he was like, listen, he's like, when you are building muscle, like your body retains water around the muscle while it is, you know, putting things together and repairing. It's part of that process. He's like, that's actually a good thing, you know, and then once your muscle is done, like repairing, it'll shed the water. He's like, trust me. He's like, you're away yourself again. Like, you know, after this many days or whatever, and it'll probably come down and like regulate. And he's like, that's actually like a really cool indicator of like what your muscles are doing at this time. He's like, man, I've never seen it like that drastic. He's like, but well, you are six foot tall and like, you know, at this level of leanness or yeah. whatever it was. But I, I just remember kind of like looking at him. I'm like, all right, like, we'll see. I'm like, my dress doesn't fit. I'm coming to you. And that is what happened. Like it did come down and like, the, you know, I could kind of see the results and everything. I'm like, man, like if I wasn't working with someone that like intimately knew this process, like, mm-hmm. and give me that reassurance. Like, we could be panicking right now, you know? I'm like, and there's so much knowledge about, like, your body does these different things for a reason. And we are, yeah. like, you're saying, like, the thing that makes us all human is that we are, we adapt, you know, that we are flexible and we can take new circumstances and things and incorporate them and keep moving, keep living. And I think that, you know, if if we were to wrap, like, the theme of this conversation up with anything, it is that, like, body image is not image. It's not a singular image. It's like, it's body, like, I don't know what you would call it. It's very fluid. It's this very fluid and abstract idea. Yeah. Body living, you know, it's, it's not just like one, one moment. It's actually very existential. It's just like how we're seeing ourselves, you know, in the world. That is body image, which tacking onto what you just said, like I've been working with a trainer too, since I was two months postpartum, not necessarily to lose weight, but, you know, part of like my whole thing with body dysmorphia was like, I want to feel like now I try to get ahead of it because I have an understanding of like my mind at baseline. And so I've learned how to appreciate myself so much more and be so much more comfortable in my skin and so much more graceful about these different flow states, you know, Not to say that there aren't periods of being super uncomfortable or just feeling out of sorts. But in working with a trainer, I've been able to stay really, really stable and like look at these little tweaks carefully and like understand these fluctuations. And I just wanted to like point out here that my trainer and I went through a very similar thing 
And she reminded me, she was like, it takes almost 3,000 additional calories to gain a pound of fat. And so she's like, when your weight fluctuates like this, you have to think about the different things that are going into this. Like, are you stressed? Did you sleep? Like, have you used the bathroom yet? There's so many different factors to the number that you see on the scale and it fluctuates throughout the day and throughout the week. I mean, if anything, you should be thinking about like a law of averages or like the trajectory or like using, you know, data points over time because taking your weight on a singular day or like from one day to the next is not really indicative of progress, like negative or positive. You know, our bodies go through so much. And like you said, like we're meant to adapt to so much that you can't really take something like as simple or frivolous as the number on the scale at face value. Like it's just a number. It's just in that way, just a number. And our body composition is like, there's so many different things. Like it it could be muscle, it could be bone mass, it could be water. Mm -hmm. It could be like, you know, it could be poop, (laughs) like literally. (laughs) It could be so many different things. And then you throw into the equation, like, are you breastfeeding? Like how much breast milk is like on board at any given point? Like there's so many, you know, and I think like I've talked with a nutritionist about like kind of what's going on with me right now. And it's like, well, I think that I'm in a state where it's like to maintain my milk supply, my body is holding on to X amount of, you know, fat stores just to like, yep. you know, if, if, you know, what my body's knowledge, which is beautiful, is doing is that it's like, if there were to be a famine, you know, this little extra store is, would be protecting my baby's food. And it's mm-hmm. like, okay, taking that information and being like, okay, like, then this is, this is fine. Like, it's something I should be at peace with because my body's doing something wise, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that returning to that point where it's like, you know, and I really had to reeducate myself with this after cancer, but it's like, cancer sucked, but like my body is still wise, you know, and our bodies are wise and they are adaptable and they're taking things and incorporating them and changing constantly. Oh, yes. That's really beautiful. I completely agree. I'm going to take that and run with it. You are wise. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not actually going to run with it. But this is a nice late night recording. Oh, yeah. No, what I was going to say, just to complete the thought, I'm not actually going to run with it because I hate running. But I'll cycle with it or Pilates with it or yoga or something else. I'll sit in my body with it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. This is a late one for us. I think we've both lost our minds a little bit. Definitely. A little bit. You've been along with us on the ride and like, yeah, gone off on some tangents. But I stand by everything that we discussed tonight. (laughs) And if there is anything in this conversation that is outright wrong and someone's like, no, you are wrong about this, I'm like, yes, I accept it. Bring it on. Correct us with information, whatever. But like, but at the end of the day, we aren't trying to like, you know, make a statement or fix or prescribe anyone with anything. We hope that like, you know, this sharing of our personal experiences and, and takes on, you know, body image as a topic, you know, as we've lived it, we just hope that maybe at some point in this conversation, you felt like, a, oh my God, I had that too. Or like, wow, like I wouldn't have expected you to have gone through this thing or whatever it is. We hope that maybe you felt a sense of community just by sitting with us here today and talking like girlfriends like we do on the phone and in person, you know, as much as possible. I love this. I could honestly, I mean, 
I'm sure we'll have plenty more of these episodes where you and I just riff on different things from, you know, mental health to finance to living with, you know, chronic disease. We've just got a lot to share with you. And we're so grateful to have a community that will lend us their ears and sit with us and, you know, be present in their bodies with us. I think at the end of the day, it's like shared experience is something that just brings us peace as people, Mm -hmm. you know, like I can't tell you how many times it brought me peace to like hear that someone else was going through cancer with me or to hear someone else's like experience of, you know, pregnancy or whatever that someone I trusted, like being able to relate on these different points that are hard to experience in a vacuum, they're easier to experience together. So that's our mission at Bridget. We have lived it by like providing that for each other and our friendship. So through these episodes, I hope we're bringing a dose of that to what we're doing on the podcast. So I love you, Kishi. And I love you listeners. <laughs> and let us know what you think about this kind of episode. If you have topics that you'd like us to just like chat on and we'll do our best to incorporate them and let you know kind of from, from our experiences, what what we've put together. send in questions Love it. yeah okay. have a great night everyone have a great Good. week whatever time of day you're listening whenever to you're listening to this it's night for us <laughs> Good night. <laughs> night. and that's our show if you liked what you heard today please like subscribe to follow and share meet bridget with your circle the best way to help our work here is to rate and review our podcast We're listening and constantly working to build something helpful for you. Catch you next time. Did you have an awesome time? Did you drink awesome shooters and listen to awesome music and then just sit around and soak up each other's awesomeness?